This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! Yeah, so we got all moved into our new place in Victoria, and uh, as you can see behind me in our remote recording setup, I am in a garret. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what that is. What is a garret? <laughs> I assume um, it's it's the place where Rochester keeps his wife. <laughs> Basically, yes. Okay, <laughs> that's essentially it. It's a, it's like the attic space, essentially of a of a house. So I have oh. these weird sloped ceilings and stuff. It'll be an adventure to find out what kind of sound quality. But you, I'm sorry, you didn't just say attic. I'm in the attic. But it's finished. It's it's like turned into a room. So therefore, it's a garret with one T. Okay. Okay. All right. So I thought you were in a condo. No. Well, it's a it's an apartment. Um. So we moved into this this uh, mansion built by Samuel McClure, who's like a famous mansion builder of the turn of the 20th century. And it's been broken up into four apartments. So we have one of the apartments. Okay. What is your life? <laughs> I know. I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, well, hello, everyone. It's been a couple of weeks since Nathan and I have recorded, but uh, you wouldn't know it from the seamless transition. <laughs> As everything is on this podcast. Just as good as ever. It's great. Uh, this has got to grow up sometime. A Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. I watched this episode three weeks ago. Have no memory of what happened in it. Have not looked at my notes. It's like oh we're doing God. it live. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live! We'll do it live. Yeah, it's, um, I watched it last night, so I have a pretty good memory of what happened. Great. As always, you will be carrying the show. <laughs> I, I disagree. You are an integral part of this show, Nathan. Um, I would like to apologize in advance to all of our listeners for the sound quality being worse than usual, uh, because I do not yet have my quiet chair here in my office. I have my squeaky chair. So you're going to hear that once in a while. I'm sorry. I'm trying to hold still. I'm also in a squeaky chair and I'm recording from home. But I did upgrade my microphone from what our listeners are used to, so maybe that's something a little better. It does actually sound better from what I'm used to hearing. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> We're off to a strong start. Yep, as usual. Th this is the content people come to us for, us talking about the low-quality audio in our podcast. It would feel a little out of place if we had really high-quality audio for this podcast, because the audio in Swan's Crossing is... Not great. Just once, we should try jumping into the recap. Like, <laughs> no no introductory remarks. Just go for it. No, nothing. <laughs> just, just once. Just see what happened. Our, our episode would be like 15 minutes long if we did that. Okay. 
<laughs> it would be. Okay. Uh, here we go. We're going to go over your predictions from episode 53. Oh my gosh. It's been a while. So here we go. Oh. You predicted we would finally get a scene back in Swan's Cafe. You were correct. There would be no meeting between Chandler and Mila yet, just getting ready for the meeting this time, like discussing Mila's outfits, etc. While Sydney schemes for Mila to not run into Garrett's arms, sadly, that was incorrect. No. You uh, predicted that JT would start the Hot Rocks experiment. Correct. Callie would spend most of the episode taking care of her foot with Jimmy trying to kiss her. I would say that's pretty much correct. That's basically what Callie did the whole time. Yeah, there's a lot of horny teenage business in so, this So in much this horny Jimmy everywhere. I think. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's definitely horny Jimmy in this one. Okay. Uh, not much Owen and Sandy and, and not much about their music because Mila would be busy with Chandler stuff. We actually did get a fair amount of Owen and Sandy and music stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was surprising. You you predicted that Glory would be in this episode, but you had no idea what she would be doing. Glory was in this episode. I'm giving you that one. And how could I have guessed what she would be doing? This thumbnail for episode 43, 40, 54, geez Louise. Let me take that again clean. This ep- damn it. <laughs> this thumbnail for episode 54 is almost identical to the thumbnail for episode 53. We have a close-up on Sydney looking slightly camera left with not a lot of background information on her. The main differences between this one and the last one are number one, her hair is not wet. Number two, it's dim lighting. Other than that, it's almost impossible to take anything from this thumbnail. Maybe this is Sydney in no man's land during Garrett and Mila's meeting. I don't know. However, I would like to bring up the quick episode description, which includes the phrase, JT and Neil analyze barracks rocks, which is objectively <laughs> funny. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is literally like one of two small sentences in, in the episode description. Oh my god, that's really funny. Well, we open on Callie and Jimmy, sitting on the booth front porch. Jimmy is still feeling up Callie's ankle. She stands and limps on it. Jimmy seizes his opportunity to grab her around the waist, and she limps from one seat on the porch to a different seat and just sits down again. Yep, yep. This is, you know what this is? This is like prime uh, Puritan era ankle fetish. <laughs> She fully covered, but oh, those ankles. Don't make me laugh right when I take a sip of my coffee, you monster. <laughs> Look, you moved away. I feel like I feel like all abuse is fair game. Okay. Jimmy uh, <laughs> picks up some of the ice cream Barrick brought and feeds it to Callie on a spoon. Why are you eating that? Yeah. Like, Garrett just tried to murder you with a sabotage ladder, and then he shows up and gives you triple ripple, and you're going to eat it like it's not poisoned? I think you just said Garrett and not Barrick. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But it has been so long since we recorded that I literally did think, wait a second, did Garrett try to kill Callie? I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him either. Yeah. Can we, like, we've really come a long way in terms of, like, the, um, how shall I put this? Men feeding women food with a spoon being sexy. I, I really, I feel like that's not a thing anymore. I Yeah, definitely. And Callie, like, actually tries to not be force-fed ice cream like she's a foie gras goose. <laughs> but Jimmy says his ice cream is better 
So so she allows him to put it in her mouth. Ew. And lo, it is indeed the superior ice cream. And then there's this terrible line where she's like, oh, wow, your ice cream is better. I wonder why. And he says, because it's mine. And then my notes just say, Jimmy. Yeah, she asks Jimmy if he thinks Barrick rigged the ladder so he, she'd fall. It looks that way to them. It looks that way to us. And then he's been rethinking all of this stuff that's been happening with Barrick, with the jeweler's glasses and all of this stuff. And when she asks why he didn't say anything before, he complains that she's always yapping at him for not listening and it's hard to get a word in edgewise. Why does she like him? Also, that's not a thing Callie does. Like, that's not an established part of her character. She doesn't, like, she's not a motor mouth. Like, the writers were really reaching. Come on. We cut to swans. It's back. Woo. I know. I'm so excited. Jazz is somewhere lurking in the background. We don't really see much of her, but she's there. You can feel her presence. Mm. Cornelia Booth saunters in with glory. They've just been out shopping as attested by their many shopping bags. And Mrs. Booth suggests yeah. they get a mother-daughter hamburger special. I hope this is actually something that's on the swans menu. Obviously it is. Like I feel like this is one of those places that just ha- like the men the menu has got to be like a small novel. <laughs> it's all the weird like things Jazz has thought up over the years. <laughs> it's a cheesecake factory level menu at Swan's Cafe. Well, they're looking around for a table. Mrs. Booth spots Sandy sitting by herself and looking depressed as usual. They go over, uh, d- drop their stuff, sit down with her. And Garrett saunters over, plops down in the chair next to Sandy and announces that he's been trying to hold up the sinking swan. <laughs> right. He's a, he d- declares that he's now an expert on getting what you want because he just figured out how to turn his own misfortunes around. Yeah, by torturing and gaslighting his ex-girlfriend. Great plan, Garrett. Yeah. And then he gives this really great line. If you let life get you down for the rest of your life, you'll be on the ground. That's some whack flow, my dude. Anyway, they're trying to cheer Sandy up and get her to actually show some, I don't know, proactivity and take control of her own life and her own circumstances like one does. Basically, all the booths sort of agree that Sandy just needs to push a little harder to make her dreams come true and care a little bit more about what she wants. And Garrett says, if you care enough... There's a way to get anything, which is probably the most rich white boy thing anyone has ever said. Essentially, Mrs. Booth proposes that they have a little brainstorming session to create a game plan for Sandy, who is really down in the dumps. And Sandy responds by saying, it won't work. Even with a great plan, you still need luck. And Garrett Garrett smirks and says, I'm feeling so lucky. Some of it is bound to rub off on you. He does this, the camera does this, like, horrible slow zoom in on his confident, smug face. And fortunately, we cut away from this to Mila and Owen by the pool. Apparently, uh, some kind of campaign dinner event has just ended. Why are these teenagers being dragged to campaign events? Like, Mila's and Owen's parents aren't even involved. I can understand, you know, Garrett and uh, Sydney being there, because their parents are running for mayor, but, like... This doesn't make sense. What well, These children are only here because it is convenient for the plot. But we need to talk about what they're wearing because Owen is wearing a plaid sports coat. <laughs> With the t-shirt underneath, like a print, a screen printed t-shirt. It's so 90s. I love it. It is 
So good. And Mila has on this like buttercup yellow pantsuit type thing. I don't remember if she had a skirt or pants, but it's like a sleeveless jacket <laughs> with matching bottom. <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. Like, honestly, it's I I love I love the way that in this show, just as in life, the women always look completely put together and the men look like total schlubs who have dressed with whatever they grabbed out of the closet that morning. It's so good. Amazing. Uh, anyway, the two teens have absconded with some desserts because the dinner is boring as hell. But Owen is so lovestruck by Mila that he didn't even notice he's been at a campaign dinner at all. And we even get yeah. the harp sound effect for Owen because he can't stop staring at Mila. Though, sadly, she does not transform into her sparkly peaches and cream Barbie form. Which is which is really too bad. I feel like we've left that behind. And I feel like it could have been a motif through the whole series. One, one thing to point out, the scene that we were just in in the cafe happened in the morning because they're doing like shopping and it's daytime outside and now we've jumped ahead in time to an evening campaign event it's dark at the pool we jump back and forward in time several times during this episode and it really bothers me it is a little disorienting we're gonna jump back to swan soda shop here in a minute yeah it's a it's so hard to keep track of where we are chronologically uh also in my notes i feel this needs to be pointed out it is pitch dark at the pool Owen is wearing his sunglasses. <laughs> yep. Yep. She does. Mila asks if he has set the poem to music yet. He is still working on it and starts to demonstrate the type of beat he's thinking about using when Sydney enters. She is looking very bummed out below a halo of enormous hair. Yeah. And and one and one of her classic like headbands. Oh yeah. The camera makes this like herky-jerky pan, pan in on Sydney and we crossfade to the inside of her mind where there are still strings of Christmas lights and giant dice everywhere. And we go through the slot machine uh, sequence that we saw in the last episode where she pops up between the, the photos of Garrett and Mila. Yes, and uh, the camera pulls us out of Sydney's dreadful reverie and Mila comes over and asks if she's all right and Sydney answers cryptically, that all depends on you. We cut to commercial and the theme song. It is the short version with Sydney and Garrett's <laughs> almost kiss followed by the rocket explosion. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and we come back to JT's room where Neil barges in and starts haranguing JT for not chasing down cash like they're supposed to. Right, but JT says he's doing Callie a favor. And we see he is examining the hot rocks under the microscope. It's utranium. It is. And someone's sliced a piece off, which wasn't JT. That's right. Neil realizes that someone is obviously in town and knows that they have utranium in Swan's Crossing. Like, obviously, we know it's Barrick, but the boys don't know right. this yet. Uh, he asks where G JT got it, who tells him he got it from Callie, and Neil, Neil jumps to, this proves that someone's been tracking our work. <laughs> And they, they get off to find Callie and figure out who it is. And Neil grabs a sheet of yellow paper on the way out. I'm not sure at the time. I was not sure if that's important later. It wasn't. <laughs> Maybe it just has the details on this igneous mystery. <laughs> this igneous mystery. Maybe that's got to be the episode title. This igneous mystery is a very good episode <laughs> title. Good. We cut back to swans. Evidently, 
the Booths have been brainstorming ways to improve Sandy's life, and they've written them all down on napkins. Yep. And Garrett makes Glory pick which napkin they're going to use. So Glory decides Garrett's idea is the one to go with, which is to record a music video starring Sandy. And I, if this actually happens, I hope it's as good as Mila's invitation video. First of all, that's like, I mean, I don't have a lot of high hopes for Swan's Crossing, but this is one of them. This is one of them. For uh, sure. Mrs. Mrs. Booth says that her dear friend Connie would run it on WSWAN. And I, it took me a hot second. I was typing out what she said when I realized it spells W Swan. Yeah, of course it does. I'm, <sighs> of course it geez. does. Anyway. So she's like, we'll just send this unsolicited video to the, the TV series and in, in block capital letters right underneath it. I said, this is the opposite of what producers want. Please do not send us your unsolicited idea, artistic idea thing. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, Glory suggests that they should have Owen film the video since he's the local AV nerd. And apparently Owen is famous among the youth of Swan's Crossing because in sixth grade, he made a biology film called Frog Eats Eggs, which was so gross and remarkable that people are still talking about it years later. Yeah. Sandy says she's going to contact Owen and get it done before school starts. (laughs) She goes, thanks, everybody, especially Garrett. And I was like, stop mooning over this dumb boy. Well, yeah, and there's this really brief moment in this scene where it kind of feels like Sandy's crush on Garrett is developing and maybe Garrett knows it and is not thrilled about it, but he he just gets this look on his face like, oh boy. But it's so brief that you might not catch it. And I wonder if that was going to be a thing in season two as well, where like Garrett's trying to dodge Sandy, who's like dead set on winning his heart. I don't know. That would be hilarious. I would actually like that. That would be something that I would miss. I know. Speaking of school, Cornelia mentions Grant's business has picked up, got finally got those cash flow problems fixed, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Garrett could go abroad after all, England, France, Switzerland, but he avoids the topic and just takes off exiting with the phrase, When you're on a roll, you gotta keep on going. As he leaves, Mrs. Booth says she's worried about Garrett because he doesn't have a girl who brings the light out in his eyes. Garrett's eyes don't have a light in them. They're dead and flat like the eyes of a shark. Also, no mother wants her 14-year-old child to be involved in romantic entanglements. Come on. No, gosh, no. Like, every uh, every mother that I've ever known has been very concerned at that age about her boys getting anybody pregnant. Yeah. My nephew is 14, and my sister, like, texts me every once in a while, and she's like, oh, no, he has another girlfriend. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we cut back to Mila, Sydney, and Owen at the pool. They don't have a lot of time to discuss the meeting because Muffy is expecting Sydney to come back in. So Mila distracts Owen with her dessert. <laughs> it's so great. She's like, go eat my dessert, lover boy. And she pulls Sydney over to the side. Yes, they're talking about the plan to meet up with Chandler. Sydney says she has to meet with him tonight. And Mila gets all nervous about it because so much is riding on it. Is it? Like, what's riding on this? And, and all of a sudden, Mila starts developing all of these doubts about it. Like, after pushing and pushing and pushing to meet Chandler... Mila suddenly gets all these doubts about meeting him, which seem to come out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, it's very strange. But apparently Owen wolfs down that cake real fast, and Mila has to send him inside to get more desserts. And then she and Sydney talk more 
about how you have to take risks in life and yada yada, Owen reappears with both cake and a moose and asks Milo which one she wants. She says, yes, yes. And we got to commercial. It's so weird. It's such a like confused. Oh my God. I don't think the actors understood how the writers intended that scene to play out. It's very awkwardly done. My my favorite line in this scene is Mila's Mila's all nervous about meeting Chandler and she says, I've never met I've never been around a real poet before. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Writers, as we've discussed before, people who are really into writing, uh, such as teenage poets, etc., are generally disgusting and annoying people. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not nearly as impressive as people think we are. I don't know. I think you're pretty impressive. Don't don't listen to what Libby just said. Libby's super impressive, y'all. I don't know. Uh, I do have an incredible crop of armpit hair, which seems to shock most people when they first meet me. Like, I've met some people at conferences and stuff who are, like, really into my books, and I'm like, hi, and I lift up my arm to wave at them, and I can see their eyes go to my armpit, and they're like, this is not what I thought she would be like. (laughs) It's great. Anyway, we cut to commercial when we're back. Owen is still trying to figure out what to do with the desserts while Mila begs Sydney to meet Chandler with her so she won't be so nervous. Mila is trying desperately to get rid of Owen, so she's like, you can have my other dessert too. This is four desserts for Owen at this point. I mean, most teenage boys can easily eat four desserts. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can now. I just don't because of my blood pressure. (laughs) Sure, that makes sense. There's a lot of reasons to not eat four desserts in your 40s. You know what I mean? Sydney agrees that she will show up with Mila if she really wants her to, and Mila heads home with Owen as escort so she can pick out an outfit, because what else would any girl do in this town? Sydney now alone sits next to the unfinished desserts as her pensive theme music plays. Ah, uh, yes. Her mother comes out of the club looking similarly pensive. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about this is that it doesn't look like Muffy has come here to look for Sydney. She just wanders in to think or whatever. Right. She needs a moment alone, I guess. And uh, Sydney asks her what's the matter. Muffy admits she's been distracted all night because she can't find that keepsake box of hers, the one Sydney had Ralph break into and found only a single crystal swan inside. I'm, I understand being distracted by, like, not having your phone, right? But the keepsake box that you keep locked up, I'm not sure that that distracts one from a campaign event. Right, and it's really just, like, a MacGuffin, because it's just in this show in the first place so that Muffy can deliver this line, which is, fiercely, I hate to lose anything that's mine! And then Sydney realizes that must mean Muffy is slipping in the poles. Those important poles in this tiny town on the eastern seaboard. Uh, Sydney reminds her that her luck can always turn around and says, I've got a feeling that tonight we're both going to hit the jackpot. They hug. Muffy's going to charge back into dinner and Sydney's going to charge back home. And Muffy tells her not to wait up. So Muffy's Muffy's headed back into like work the dinner until she squeezes every last vote from them, which I love as an expression like like you could squeeze more votes out of a single person. Maybe in this uh, tiny eastern seaboard town with lots of rich people, you can. Maybe that's a rich people thing. Maybe rich people get more than one vote. I mean, there definitely seems to be some voter fraud that flies around rich people circles. I'll just say that. We cut to the booth porch. Jimmy and Callie have apparently been there for hours just talking about Barrick and his weird spy glasses. It is now dark, right? Yeah, it's now dark. So it has been literally 
hours. They're just sitting there as they try to crack the mystery of Beric. JT and Neil come running up, yelling about the hot rocks. There's this little, there's this little flirting thing that happens between Beric and or J, Beric, J, Jimmy and Callie. And as they start to muse about what Beric could be hiding and what is around Callie to stay secretive about and dangerous, and on the word dangerous, JT and Neil sp- they like explode onto the porch. <laughs> it's so good. They they come out of nowhere. Like you don't hear them in the distance yelling as they run up. It's just like suddenly they're they jump out from behind a set piece yelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. They the guys <laughs> demand that Callie explain where she got the rocks first, and there's a zoom in on Callie as we cut to the exterior of the tool and die. Right. Why the tool and die? Like Owen's just loitering in an alley beating on stuff with his drumsticks. Well at least he's not trying to swim. <laughs> And then Sandy comes around the corner. What are they doing? Like, it's night. Everything is closed. Why are they hanging out outside the tool and die? This makes no sense. It's better that Owen is here in a dark alley than, like, mooning outside of Mila's house. Maybe that's what happened. He was (laughs) mooning outside of Mila's house and the Countess was like, get out. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Maybe. It just, it would make so much more sense to have them bump into each other outside swans or something. It's just such an odd choice for their, (laughs) their meetup. Sandy tells Owen she has this great idea to make a music video and he's all in as long as he gets to direct. And, and essentially gets like artistic license to do whatever he wants. He suggests going to the studio and working something up. She throws an arm around his shoulder and they walk off. And as she says, seems like we're really partners again. Aww. That's beautiful. No man's land. A romantic synthesizer jam is playing as Mila and Sydney stroll up. The sensational outfit Mila picked out is... White jeans with a white Victorian-style blouse. Yeah, I mean, we're playing hard into the gothic romance elements of this scene. Oh, yeah, and it is so 90s. I love it. I love it. Sydney explains how she used to play back here when she was a kid, having adventures, because it's not technically on their property or the Booth's property. Whoever stamps on it claims it for themselves. To which Mila (laughs) responds, Sounds magical. Sydney mentions that Chandler will arrive when the clock on the old tower strikes 10. I love that line so much. It's Isn't it so good? good. We and come- then we go to commercial. <laughs> we come back to the booth porch where JT and Neil have discovered Beric is the one who had the rocks and he was studying them. They then spill the beans on the rocks being these rare minerals that they've been using. So they hatch a plot to get the rocks back to Beric so he won't think Jimmy and Callie know anything. And since he's already he's already on to JT and Neil, they're going to have to act fast before Beric and the others catch up with them. And as they go sprinting off, they'd like start tearing off of the porch. Jimmy goes, "What others?" <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's not stoked that unnamed others are creeping around town. We go back to no man's land again. The clock is striking while Mila and Sydney pace around waiting for Chandler. Mila? He's like, we hear this, this voice through the hole in the wall. She, she turns, to the, turns to the hole expectant. Chandler? <laughs> You've come. I couldn't stay away. Garrett is in the <laughs> snake hood. The snake guy hood. <laughs> he says, I've been waiting a long time. I've never felt like this. 
he goes on and on about how Mila makes him feel, Sydney starts crying softly. Sydney is like back in the shadows, like hyperventilating as she cries. Poor Sydney. <laughs> it is really, it is really something. I mean, tour de force performance from Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> oh, it's great. He finally takes down the hood, reveals himself, and Mila, peering through the hole, is all Garrett? <laughs> We freeze frame and roll credits. <laughs> it's so, so awesome. Jeez. I love the ending to this episode. Oh my God. It really, like the well, freeze frame on her looking through the hole is fantastic. I know. Who was our psychopath of the week? It's really hard to pick one because nobody was especially psychopathic this I, week. I had that same note. I had that same note that not everybody was truly psychopathic. I, I, I think a case could be made for Garrett um, due to his like self-satisfied attitude. But I think a case could also be made for Mila for the abrupt, you know, attitude shift in like wanting to see Chandler or not. Okay. I, I'm going to go with that. I, I say Mila is, okay. is our psychopath of the week. Great. Uh, did we have a swan count? We have one new fake swan, uh, which brings our counts to four imaginary swans. 24 actual swans and 129 other swans. Damn, so many swans, y'all. It is okay. A lot of swans. And I, I'm gonna mute my mic and so we no have one not hears had I'm any doing. actual swans in probably 40 episodes. So yeah, it's been a while. I'm, if there are not more swans in season, more actual swans in season four, I am going to be outraged. <laughs> okay i'm gonna mute my mic so you people won't hear me typing again and lay on me your predictions for next episode so callie and jimmy i think get the rocks back to garrett and i think he it doesn't quite allay his suspicions and i think they have a difficult like they explain it and it doesn't like no no real conflict happens it's sort of resolved but it doesn't make any sense, however they explain it. Uh, Jimmy finds out about Glory's kidnapping because he knows now that there are others. So I think that happens in the next episode. We find out if Mila runs to Garrett or not and whether Garrett upholds his end of the bet. And I don't think we get any Owen Sandy stuff. I think Glory visits jt and neil in jt's room as they're trying to figure out what to do next because they still don't have any money okay well we'll see next week how right or wrong you were what an exciting episode ah so much tension is ramping up yeah. not really but you know <laughs> there is a very dramatic thing that happens at the end of next episode well it is a friday episode next week so yeah that... so next episode was originally going to be the end of season five for us okay so there's a cliffhanger there okay but um but yeah you'll you'll be astonished when you learn what it is okay all right thank you to richard <laughs> winsler and steve lane for the use of our theme song gotta grow up sometime from the hit show swans crossing and if you want to find us on social media we're on instagram at swans cross pod and on twitter at gotta grow up pod and until we can see one another again when you're on a roll you just gotta keep going. Words to live by. Bye! Bye! <laughs>
If you let life get you down for the rest of your life, you'll be on the ground. Sounds like a poem. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. <laughs>